This is The A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> and you hear a dog in the background. That is uh, Damaris DeVito, our next yes. guest, uh, her dog. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. Not a <laughs> Great problem. Great timing. There- as always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. I want to thank uh, Central Works, as always, for sponsoring the A. And we want to thank Mallory Samara, our consulting producer and sponsorship coordinator. I think I said that right. Yay, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has been wonderful uh, helping us uh, improve the A. And uh, we have a fantastic guest, Damaris DeVito. Uh, Damaris, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm, I'm raring up for this. Yeah, this has made uh, something of the uh, looking forward to for the uh, week now. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been uh, I've only worked with you just briefly. We worked on Kimberly Ridgeway's piece uh, that was. Um, no, I'm sorry. Um, it was. Uh, oh, shucks. It was directed uh, it was by dragon- Amy. Yeah. Amy, Amy, Amy. Oh my gosh, Amy. What's your last name? But it was, um, it was the uh, the desk. It was, it yes, was, it was the desk. Uh, it was the um, floating desk. Uh-huh. It, basically, it was Dragon Eggs. It was Dragon Eggs production, and uh, we were, I think, we were husband and wife, and yes. we were. It was a period piece. Uh, so so Curie. bad. Yeah. Yes, Curie. Curie. <laughs> That's right, Marie Curie. <laughs> But in any case, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of fun with Dragon Eggs, and I've done a couple of Dragon Eggs uh, shows, so that's why I'm getting the shows mixed up. And of course, I thought that Kimberly Ridgeway had either wrote it or directed it, but I because guess she's, she's damn near directed, <laughs> written, played in everything. Every, everything. At she's all. got her hands in everything, and she's but, actually given me a ton of work. So I. Yeah, Love no, she's wonderful. It. But of course, no, uh, of course, you were in my play, Judicial Process. You were uh, Mari, the cleaning lady. Yes, I was. I hope I gave you some pride. <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you so much. Uh, in any case, it's, it's wonderful to uh, to meet you and to talk with you. And uh, as I begin um, our, my, our podcast, how was your week, Norman? Ugh. So yeah. I've got, you know, I've got this workshop coming up next week. So mm-hmm. that's been weighing on me. I've been commuting and Zooming Um and having to invoice people and i realized that's the other that's the other perk of a nine to five is you just show up you do your job maybe you sign something it's all good for me i actually have to figure out how do you want me to invoice where do i invoice it to did i send it to you already i it's it's been wild and most importantly oh you got your second shot Uh oh right on (laughs) did they give you a cute sticker they didn't give me any sticker i love this time Ah, there you go, right on. Woo, um, this time, the first time they did post-its, when you finish, they want you to sit for 15 minutes, right? right? Make right. sure there's no side effects. And they mm-hmm. had post-its. And this time they had a whole little laminated thing that they just stuck on your windshield. You knew you were done when somebody came and took it off your windshield. And I'm trying to be good, so I kept my window closed. Dude's trying to talk to me, and I'm like, dude, it's on the windshield. I see you. I'm waving at you. just go right but no they were so quick it was so wonderful and then i got home and i felt better than i did after the first one the first one knocked me out this was just a little sore 
Good, because uh, people have been warning me that the second shot will, is a doozy and you'll have side effects, and I was a little worried about that. But, of course, we got to do it, and I'll have yeah. mine on uh, on uh, uh, today, 6 p.m. Uh, Damaris, are you, uh, have you had your shot yet, at least your first yes. shot? Yes. Yes, I am uh, one of ev uh, one of uh, many now I'm finding out there's so many of us who have been vaccinated. You know, the first time I got it done, I got it done in San Jose at the fairgrounds. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to put hot dog juice in my arm. I don't know what this is. Uh. <laughs> I was really reticent about getting it done. And um, and then after that, I was like, OK, bring on the second. I'm ready to close this chapter of my life. Right. Because I was again, it, I was a little tentative about getting it in the first place. I wanted some other folks to get it. But I I went in as a speech therapist who is considered uh, an essential worker. And so um, I was pleasantly surprised that I, I was accepted on the line with a host of other people. So now that I've gotten the second one, I, it came and went. I had no side effects, um, no fatigue, nothing. So. Uh, there's a little bit of variability with my friends who have gotten Pfizer, but um, no, but knock on this head, I'm good. We're good. Yep. That is awesome. And of course, we encourage everyone, get your shot. You know, don't don't be afraid and don't fall into the bad news or the fake mm -mm. news that, you know, it's it's horrible or whatever. We, we all got to do it. We want to bring these numbers down. We got to oh, yeah. shelter in place and get that, get that shot. So. Right. There you go. There's been uh, obviously there's been really, really horrible. You know, every as as I begin the week, I write down these current events things. And of course, what was it? Uh, I forget when the um, the shooting happened, but mm -hmm. the shooting oh, right. happened in in, uh, in Atlanta. Really, really yes. horrible. And um, of course, for everyone, we've had so many Asian-Americans on the yay. And of course, mm -hmm. we have solidarity for, you know, for those in Asian American communities, especially our Asian American actors. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen so many posts and um, racism is just absolutely horrible. And when it, and especially hate crimes is really horrible. And I'm learning that, you know, it's not just about black folks. You know, of course, if if George Floyd and of course that trials are still going on, if a black right. man is shot, you know, we're going to find out about it almost immediately because there is a you know, there's the NAACP and there's groups Black Lives Matter you know, to, to, you know, to boost up the, you know, what's, what's going on, the information, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I'm learning, but, you know, we have to understand that it happens across the board. And now our Asian American community, now I'm learning all these stories about not just the shooting that happened, but people are telling stories about how they've had to go through discrimination, you know, as, mm -hmm. as a Asian American woman or a man. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, in, it's enlightening, but it's, in, it's disheartening to hear. So yeah. It was unspeakable. That was an unspeakable crime. And yeah. it is it is so yeah. unfortunate. And, and there has been a lot on my feet about Asian stop the Asian hate um, and people who are fighting off attackers. Even in San Francisco, there was one not re uh, like follow the shooting in Atlanta about a woman who was being attacked, who fought off this man and um, she herself being Asian. So, yeah, it's the. The tone has shifted. It's still the same theme, but right? We have yeah. another group of folks and. Yeah, and um, I mean, for, you know, because I, you know, I will march for you if you march for me. You know, I will, um, you know, it's not just when we talk and think about, you know, like uh, just, you know, uh, racial violence, we have to understand that all of us have to join together. You know, the Latino community, the black community, Asian community, mm -hmm. um, gay, lesbian, transgender, you know, all of us, 
you know, because really when you talk about hate crimes, I mean, it's basically, you know, a, a set of people who will look at you because you're different. And all of us have to deal with, you know, just being focused on being different and um, having to deal with it. So, you know, we're not alone, you know, uh, if someone in the black community thinking that we, you know, it's, you know, black hate, hatred is only on me. I'm being really inarticulate, but all of yeah. us are together, all of us are together. And that's really the, the main point. Um, have you seen any posts or have you had any conversations, Norman, with uh, folks in the Asian community about this? Um, yeah. <laughs> Of course, Mallory. Um, Mallory herself. You know, she was. She said right. that she was in tears in in the morning when and, it happened, and made sure she asked us to put the word out right now or in ten minutes. Uh, there mm -hmm. is going to be a thing up in El Cerrito. So by the time anybody hears this, they won't know. Uh, but there's a protest, big protest up in El Cerrito and El Cerrito Plaza. Um, you know, we're we're tired of it. We're tired of the anti. And I don't even want to call it anti-Asian uh, mm -hmm. because. This keeps happening. People keep getting targeted. Be black, be migrant, be Muslim, be Asian now. How many people do we need on the list before we go, you people? Because it's always the same group of people that we're talking about. So I'm like, no, you people, you need to stop. You people, you need to go to jail. You people, you need to lose your jobs. You need to understand that if somebody needs to leave this country, it's you because we were born here. We've been living here. We have been a part of the fabric of this country before it was founded. And we're not going anywhere. You know, I talk about this with Oakland. Um, like, oh, when Libby Schaap, not Libby Schaap, before Libby Schaap, when um, Jane uh, Kwan Jane was Kwan, mayor. Jane Kwan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and people were saying this anti-Asian stuff. And I, she was, you know, running for re-election. And people were saying, well, you know, they should go back. I'm like, go back where you came from. Do you know how long <laughs> Jane Kwan's family's been here? Since... Uh, since 1906, since the fire when they left San Francisco and came over here, Chinatown was a, one of the first things that developed in Oakland. Please, you know, don't you even start trying to run that mess. So all of us need to come together and jump mm -hmm. on this bandwagon and make sure that we make it clear that we all are in support of diversity and everybody being able to celebrate their cultures. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, I think all of us are from the age. I remember being a kid watching um, Schoolhouse Rock and the American <laughs> Melting Pot right. and, you know, this narrative. And of course, uh, Sesame Street, you know, the fact that our, our diversity is a wonderful thing. The fact that I am different or someone speaks different than I or someone looks different than I is a wonderful thing. And we can learn from each other. That is no reason to be afraid or to point at someone else as the other, you know, like you don't belong here or something like that. Now, right. I think that everyone you know thought that thinks that way but i mean uh, and there is a bit of politics behind it as well you know when you have leaders like you know our former president talk right. about the kung flu and the china virus yes. and we think that words don't mean anything yes they do because you yes, have individuals like mr long here who you know talks about being a sex addict and uh, i'm doing this to rid myself of temptation but you know underneath it it's it's a hate crime you know he targeted right. people oh. Yeah. So, is, yeah, is I'm addicted to sex. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Maris. Oh no, no, no! I was just going to agree with you that our former 45th, uh, he he um, led uh, paved the way for that kind of divisiveness and 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 hatred of of anything else other than white supremacy. So I I I feel like it. If there was anything seeping beneath 
the surface of these people. He really brought it out. He helped yeah. them make how, it okay. How did you survive, um, Damaris? I guess you know, just forty-five. I mean, were you worried that you know we would have four more years of of Trump? I mean, yeah. You know, it's interesting because leading up to it, I was one of those people who would never have thought that that would come to pass in twenty sixteen. And and the day that I found out he was actually going to be with us for the next four years, I cried. And I told my stepgirls, who are white, by the way, mm. I said, this by no means means that this man represents who we are. Just know that. Uh, because he could, he, he, could, he could not have been more on the other end of the spectrum of who we were as a family, who we are as a community, who, who we are as people, I feel. Um, mm. But it just seemed like a joke, a joke that someone was going to say, ha ha, <laughs> this isn't really happening. And then another four years, possibly. But by that time, by the time the reelection was coming to um, closer, it it was evident to me that there were people who really did believe his rhetoric, who really bought into that. And, and that's a machine that I choose to believe that. Um, you know, all those algorithms they talk about on your feed, you know, you just have to like like one thing and that sets the stage for so many other things. And somehow people get brainwashed into thinking that that's there's that everyone feels the same way. Um, I think that those were by and large, those are the Trump supporters. I really don't want to believe Michelle Obama, when she went out on her book, she said people are good. Just know that when she did her book tour, she said there are some people out there who are doing good. You just don't hear about them. I think we were hearing so much about the bad. It only felt like the entire world was sour. Yeah, the squeaky wheel, you know, gets uh, the mm -hmm. notice and it's it's the other wheels or, the you know, the other people who do wonderful work that we never hear about. Those are the people that really make up what makes America wonderful, really what makes right. them, not right. to, to <laughs> I don't want to quote Trump to make America great. I mean, what, yes. what makes America wonderful mm -hmm. is the no, diversity. Let's, let's reclaim that phrase, yes. That's yes. exactly yeah, right. Yeah, let's reclaim that phrase in a different, for a different perspective. But, you know, um, like for you guys, I mean, you obviously are posting or putting things on your podcast that, that appeal to the general public. It's doing good. It has a positive flavor. It's it's everything that we want to know that we can log on and feel everyone is being embraced for for something unique as well as um, something that that gives back right to the community. Um, you know, news. When you listen to the news, I've always felt like there are a bunch of talking heads, and the only thing that drives people to turn on the news is sensationalism, and that sensationalism has become jaded and toxic and and the and the rhetoric just goes on and on and on and on and on and i don't know who who will be um strong enough to stop that cycle to make the news not so sour not so so divisive yeah it's, it's unfortunate it's it's the um it's the capital i guess the um I mean, it really began with 24-7 news. And, you know, when Ted Turner, you know, when we were introduced <clears throat> to cable news, all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. not just news at 11 and news at 7. It's now 24-7. And the pressure to put some content on 24-7 and to get better ratings than, let's say, Fox or CNBC or whatever, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's creates the toxicity of, you know, the talking heads. And we need to have and this whole fair and balanced thing. We need to have a right winger 
debate against right. a left winger and then it becomes Jerry Springer. And I don't want to listen to the news anymore. It's it's horrible. So no, I don't either. I don't yeah. either. There's some other um um current events that I wrote down. Rebecca Jones, uh, this is the Florida data analyst uh who was arrested. I don't know if you remember this when we talked about it, where uh the governor Ron DeSanto had said, Oh, well, our COVID numbers are down. And she was like, Nope, oh, they're yes. not down. So she had to turn herself in. So I thought this thing was going to go away. This was going on before the election happened, before yeah. Biden won. So we may have forgotten about it, but she officially turned herself in. She's still fighting it. And I hope she continues to fight it because this is about a woman who is really being arrested for telling the truth by saying, listen, the Florida coronavirus numbers are really way up. Mm -hmm. And I am going to tell the truth, even if I get fired for doing so. And she and that's what's going on. So that's what's going on. OK, the last bit of news, uh, Pennsylvania mom. This is crazy. Creates a deep fake. I don't know if you guys know what a deep fake is. Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> what's a deep fake? A deep fake. I'm sure you're uh, you have daughters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll probably tell you. So if you let's say you put up a video of yourself, let's say on YouTube or whatever, and someone were to capture your face and place your oh. face on, let's say, another person. Right. That is mm -hmm. considered a deep fake. And there's a problem yeah. because there are a lot of Hollywood artists who are deep faked and they're you oh, know, Tom Cruise. Have... Man, oh. I've seen two and they are scary because it looks like him. Ooh. It looks exactly like him and it sounds like him. And it's not what? him. Somebody yeah. just they put a mask on, you know, they put a, a filter on. It's like a digital mask. And yeah. it looks just like Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I've seen uh, I've seen fun ones where someone did a thing on The Shining instead of Jack Nicholson. It was Jim Carrey. And right. that's sort of fun. But then there's yeah. some who puts, you know, let's say, a female actress on a porn mm -hmm. star. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden the porn star is doing all sorts of crazy things. And it's the actress like Jennifer Lawrence. And okay. it's like it's, it's violating. So right. in any case, this Pennsylvania mom, I guess she has some daughters who are in high school and the daughter's being teased. And so this mother takes revenge and captures a video of, I guess, the rival girls and mm -hmm. deep and deep fix them. Basically, you know, puts their face on, you know, other pictures or whatever to make a long story short. She is being uh, she's she was arrested and she's uh, being put on trial for that. But what? I don't know the pettiness. There are crazy things going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I saw that. I didn't know it was deep fake. Um, I saw the app on TikTok, which I, I you know <laughs> keep that on the hush. I don't like. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, about TikTok, but mm -hmm. but I did. You can cut out the face, and it was Marilyn Monroe. Um, and someone someone else's face was on Marilyn Monroe's body, wow. which isn't a bad switch. But um, yeah, I can see that being used uh, to to really yeah. demoralize someone else's life and their yeah. existence. That's awful. Yeah, cyberbullying is a crazy thing. One last thing before we get into an origin story. I mean, what conversations have you had? Because I imagine when you talk to your girls, uh, Damaris, mm -hmm. there are all sorts of issues going on. I mean, I know they're not Asian, but this is attack on women. And this is mm -hmm. attack on women based on sex. It's like this is another intel, incel. A mm -hmm. guy who's like, hey, I'm not getting attention. Jenny doesn't like me, so I'm just going to go crazy and just, you know, kill or whatever. And I wonder what conversations mothers have with daughters, you know, like going, I don't know, I have no idea how old they are or if they're mm -hmm. old enough. They may be adults or they may be in, you know, high mm -hmm. school age or whatever. But do you have conversations about, hey, you know, you have to be careful out there, if at all? 
Yeah, their their mom, um, their mom was a sergeant. Uh, she was in the police force for 21 years. She's now retired. And and the girls know well you, that there are some warped minded folks out there, particularly uh, some men who really take advantage of someone's kindness. And, and the girls, while they're 16 and 18, they haven't done really any dating. Um, and the one gentleman that they, the older one did bring home was a really kind, kind um, high schooler, the same age as she was. But to the, to the point that you're bringing up, I myself have not had those conversations because the way that they display their their emotions, their perspectives about other men and about hate overall, what they post even on their Instagram because they're typical in that regard, shows me that they have a really good and solid perspective on it. So I don't insert my own opinions on, on that because they, again, have displayed to me that they are on the right path. Um, and just in conversation when they're kind of reiterating something from someone else's event and they give me their own spin on what they see, I, I feel like, okay, you know, you guys are, you guys are in a good headspace. I don't need to give you my opinion. Now, if they were truly my biological, I probably would just because that's what moms do. They have to hear their, their side of it and also tell their own, the mom that is. But I, I feel pretty blessed that they're, they're in a good headspace. Well, that's good. I, uh, I, because Norman, I mean, I can bring you in because you're also a stepfather as well. Yeah. And I, I usually would think that because, you know, my, my mom, I, my second mom, I don't like to say step because, you know, mm -hmm. she's very, very close to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she came at a time where I really could not talk to, you know, my biological mom, uh, at, mm -hmm. you know, when I was a teenager. So I could lean on her. And I was sort of hoping that, you know, even though they're teenagers and they may not be your biological children, they would still sort of lean on you. But, um, but normally, yeah, I mean, I definitely, um, I learned a lot. I learned, I continue to learn a lot being a step parent because it's not my biological child, but we <laughs> live in the same house. I have opinions. And it's funny, the thing you said, um, if it were my biological child, the things I think I would do, I realize I am lucky and they are lucky that I have to take that extra step before I make a decision or express an opinion because I often find myself going, you know what? And in fact, I say it tomorrow all the time. I don't agree with the way that you parent. I do see the results. I do see how well it is for you, how well it is for the child, how you avoid battles that I would have been ready. Oh, we got to we got to fight about this. And there's a whole lot of not fighting and a whole lot of productive stuff that's going on. And I'm like, wow, I I had a whole lot of different ideas in my head about what I should do. I'm so glad I have to stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what? I invite Norman. I would love to hear a podcast about step parenting because when I got into this, when I got into this relationship with, with Sean, uh, we're at 14 years now and nice. we're married. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 14 years. So I met the girls when they were three and five. I being a speech therapist thought I had this, I was going to go in, I was going to make it happen. It was going to be beautiful. They're going to love me. I'm going to love them. We're going to walk that, that golden road together. And oh my God, mm -hmm. did, did it come to a screeching halt? Yep. And the only God saving thing that happened 
was that um, I went to therapy. I read the books. I went to therapy. I went to therapy for seven years of this relationship to make sure that my stuff, quote unquote, did not get into those girls' lives unnecessarily. No, it's it's definitely a, um, I mean, you chose to be there. Yes. (laughs) And so that's different than a biological parent. You Mm -hmm. made the choice. And it's funny, I have bachelor friends who I know will never end up marrying somebody who has kids because they aren't ready to make that adjustment. I was lucky, partly because I grew up in it, but but also because I was older. So, you know, it's when you're younger and the kids come, you just kind of go, well, it's almost like they're my kids. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I am old enough. I, my siblings have children this age and older. And also, mm-hmm. also you have to, you have a relationship with the other person. Hopefully it's, you know, a good one. But if it's not a good one, cause you know, that I'm looking at my biological mom with my second mom and yeah. some mm-hmm. of the, the issues, you know, I'll put it lightly that they had to go through. Well, the mm-hmm. other thing with parents though is, Parents are rarely on the same page. And again, you don't think about it when it's biological. You just think nature's going to take care of all that. <laughs> when you're stepping into it intentionally, you have to stop and go, oh, it's okay that we're not on the same page. We just need to communicate. And we've been lucky. We've been yeah. lucky to see those warning signs and check in. And it sounds I mean, like yeah. I'm still begging for therapy. I'm like, I think it would be really good for us to have, you know, to do some counsel, some couples counseling because... When it's good, it's great. But when it's not good, we don't have the tools. And each of us has a way that we want to come at it. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, no, no. I, the, the therapy was primarily for me um, because when, when you're dealing with that being outside the triangle, as I described it, you know, yeah. um, you know, you come with your own perspectives and, and yeah. dare I say, you can't put any, you can't clothe that. You can't mm-hmm. put shroud it in anything. And it comes up on the surface Um, and it can really eat away at the at the love. Um, And I I didn't want to have that happen. Obviously, I I was in that for for all the right reasons. So I thought, but stuff just kept popping up, popping up, popping up. And it's like, well, that's what life is. Yeah, I got to deal with my stuff. And and I could have left the relationship to not deal with it. Now I can say that now. Yes. But back then I had one foot out the door and one foot in. I was like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. Yeah. But, you know, um, life has taught me (laughs) this is where I need to be. Um, The girls are great examples of 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 people who have lived by example. I mean, I, I, I say I don't insert myself in their lives to teach them anything. I, I just live my life. And I feel like that has had to be the way that um, I had to shift because right. I had all of these dreams as to what I was going to do for them, give them. Right. But they still had a mom, so they didn't need me. They didn't right. need that advice. So, or, or, or again, that, or, yeah, or in that way. I mean, I think they may yeah. have needed you. I mean, you know, as, as a different way. I mean, no one wants, you know, I'm sure it would have been resistant if you're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm your mom now. And of course, you didn't come that way. But, no. uh, you know, but that's what love is all about. I mean, you know, the fact that you could have stepped away and it would have been the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it takes real love to say, you know what, this is hard, but that's okay because I'm here for this, you know, this man's life, you know, for, mm-hmm. for your husband. And mm-hmm. In whatever capacity, you know, the children need you, whatever it may be, 
you're, you're there for them. And I'm sure, Norman, you can say the same thing. Dexter may not need you as a father figure. Well, but, what's fun now is yeah. he we sit across the table from each other at dinner and he's looking at me all the time in the last <laughs> year or so. And he includes me in the conversation most of the time. <laughs> And these are huge changes, and I'm just sitting there kind of going, wow, what a difference five years makes. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, I remember being a very spoiled brat when I was, you know, when my dad entered his second relationship, I was very bratty, and I was very, you know, I'm, I'm such a mild-mannered guy, but, you know, as a pre-teenager, I was like, you know, you're not my mommy. Who, who, who the hell are you? Right. But but I, but I grew. I grew and I evolved and I appreciated what my second mom brings into my life, even to, to, to this day. She's an ordained mm -hmm. minister now. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I'm, I'm sure the kids are blessed having you in their life, Damaris, and, and you as well, Norman. Um, Thank you. I wanted to jump into before we get into an origin story because we have postings on Facebook. Oh, and there is one other current event I just want to yes. touch on. Yes. Mills College has announced they are no longer going to be offering degrees after 2023. So this is the last year of folks that will get a degree from Mills College. This women's yes. college, after a hundred and something years of existence, is calling it a day. They're going to become <sighs> an institution, and nobody knows what that means yet. So they'll still teach, but you won't get a you won't get paper. Something, yeah. What? I hear that. Yes, I, that I just know. was announced this week. I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see. Uh, it's <laughs> well. So what I posted it on Facebook, and I knew I would get this response. Elizabeth Carter is a, as an alumni, and uh, and was there when they had the protest. They protested. Geez, it was maybe 30 years ago now, they had a big protest because they were talking about bringing men, becoming, becoming co-ed. Hmm. And they camped out and they said no. And the school listened. And what they did is they opened the graduate program up as a co-ed program, but they didn't open the whole school up. And so they were at that point again where they had to make that decision. And it looks like they're letting go. And so what I posted on Facebook was to say, we still live in a culture where women need to know there is safe space. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad they're not going to totally go away, but we need to look at that equation. We need to deal with that reality that we still have not gotten our culture. We have not advanced enough. We have not evolved enough that it isn't necessary for women to feel like this is a space where they know they're not vulnerable, where they're not on guard, mm -hmm. where they can just be. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And is this as a result of uh, COVID, I take it? Uh, COVID was the nail in the coffin, but no, they've been, for years, they've been talking about it. They keep discussing it, and every time their community has come back to them and said, no, not co-ed, no. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, before we get, so there was a post on Facebook uh, by a woman named Sheba Wood, who says, hey, y'all, and I brought this up last week, and I figure we can talk about it before. Um, she has a question about acting and taxes. And it's, you know, Norman, you were oh, talking right. about, you were talking about, um, you know, chasing down. That's one of the questions that I had for you. I mean, you know, how much time do you spend chasing down people who owe you money? Because, you know, <sighs> if you're your own institution and uh, you do a gig or whatever, and someone promises to pay you something and, you know. Uh, it's, so. not the, it's not chasing down the money <clears throat> most of the time. I, I deal with pretty good people. Um, it's like I actually had to hit Playground Up, which is a pretty substantial theater company, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they, because of AB5, changed their format so that they actually made people employees. Uh, but if you make less than $600, 
they're going to say, okay, well, you're an independent contractor and we don't have to do any of that tax paperwork. And they're right. And, you know, yes, I'm putting this out here publicly so they can come after me if they want. I tell my tax person and my tax person says, great, make sure you hold on to those numbers. We need to know what those numbers are. And depending on how everything else sorts out, you might not need that extra $500 to register or that extra $500 might help put you in a category where we can take all these other deductions and stuff. So it becomes a little more fluid and a little more flexible, but I have to check every one, every employer I have, I have to make sure I've got that paperwork together. Uh, the question really is if you're an actor and you are serious about being an actor as a career, you real it's worth your money to get somebody to do your taxes with you or if you want to i did this once i went to h&r block and i took their course and i got training so that they actually when i finished the course they were immediately offering me a job and i was like i really just came so i could find out more about what i need to do with my situation yep. and so yeah it's it's worth the money it is so worth the money to get help it's a smart use of time yeah, and I think you've answered the question. She uh, basically says, this is my first year doing taxes as an actor, worker, ac actor, gig worker. I'm fully lost in terms of choosing a filing service. Does anyone have any suggestions or a good resource to peruse? And I think you're right. You know, H&R Block is the thing. And also documenting everything that you do, even if it's less than $600. I think that's very, very key. Well, and the thing is, H&R Block <laughs> is sort of a, it's, it's like the guardrail. <laughs> it doesn't really do anything. But it's there if you need it. Um, no, I would say it's worth finding out. And there are people in the community who focus on this, good and bad. When I first started doing it, I went to a guy who gave a workshop every year. The workshop was wonderful. I took it for two years and I thought, oh, great, I'm going to pay him to do my taxes. And the next thing I know, after years of not paying any taxes, I owed $500. And I was like, it's not like I made that much extra money last year. And it's not like my... You know, my equation was any different. If the IRS was fine with what I was doing before, I just went back and did what I was doing before. I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, I'm not coming to you. So it's not just anybody. You, you should shop around a little bit. But there are plenty of people out there willing to do it. And if you're willing to spend a little more money, you mm -hmm. can have a relationship. Mara has been going to the same person for over 20 years. And she specializes in artists. Now, she's not cheap. But <laughs> an hour of her time is worth the money. Yeah, and you don't I have think to worry it's about like $200 it. an hour or something. And I'm like, it is worth the money because in an hour, first time I went in, she said, let's call the IRS and get some information. She called, put it on speakerphone. We waited for the whole, you know, going on, going on hold and talking mm -hmm. to this person and hitting those buttons. In 20 minutes, she had her answers and she's like, thank you very much. Hung up and said, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I was like, ah, that was worth the money. If you've ever tried to call the IRS, just getting through your first day is amazing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it is totally worth the money. Yeah, there you go. And you want to avoid those audits. Mary Broderick. <laughs> I will even put her name out there. Mary Broderick. She there you go. Yes. And with that, uh, Damaris DeVito. So let's hear an origin story. How did you get involved in theater? Where are you born and raised? Born and raised. I was born in the Bronx. Woo -woo. And uh, hey, raised. Bronx. <laughs> I'm put the cat out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I went to um, high school of performing arts. Um, I, so, is that the same? Is that the same one where they talk about fame? Um, I yes, know, uh, that was yeah. Based yes, on yes, cue yeah. the music, right? Yeah. Um, I was I was one of those kids that passed around the hat in my family. 
uh, listening to, I was doing the karaoke version of uh, Liza Minnelli and Barbara Streisand. And then at the end, I would pass around my grandfather's hat for some money. And I was a big ham when I was nine. And then uh, I didn't have any any real ideas to what I wanted to be. Um, although I had some terrific models in my family. I have a lot of educators in my family. And um, I just decided one day after talking it over with my sister, who's much older than I am, and said, I want to go to performing arts. I want to be an actor. So I had to audition for that. And uh, and I had a I don't recall my monologue. I I didn't hear from them. And I was also uh, I also applied to Mabel Dean Bacon, which was a vocational school in the city as well. And I was <laughs> I went the first day of orientation at Mabel Dean Bacon. Got I I, I got home and received now, now is this, a letter. Is this, is this post high school? Oh no, no, this is high school. Got it. This okay. is high school. Got it. And um and I got home and I got my official letter. Somehow it was delayed that I was accepted to the high school of performing arts. I wish I held on to it. Many of my high school grad friends held on to theirs. And the next day uh, went there, I was just tripping over myself. I was so happy. I remember that day like it was yesterday when I was reading the letter. And um, the next four years was just outstanding um, because I, I had some terrific uh, drama teachers, one in particular um, who really made me feel like he could have been my dad. He could have been my husband. He could have been my best friend. He was everything in these. I mean, of course, uh, you know, all the, the good, the good kind, um, but gave me so much advice and made me feel, gave me the self-esteem that I, I guess I, I didn't really have that much going into it. Um, gave me all those, uh, the foundational skills to make me feel like I could do Shakespeare because, you know, I Puerto Rican girl didn't I didn't know a lick about Shakespeare at that time. I mean, certainly I had heard of it and I had read about it, but I didn't really think that that was something that I could do. And I remember one day I opened up the curtains and he came running on the stage and he said, how is that an entrance? How are you ever supposed to be Medea with an entrance like that? And I was like, oh, my God. OK, I'll do it again. And I'm crying <laughs> behind the curtains. And these those curtains felt like they were. 50 pounds each and I opened them up and before I could even say the first line he said that is an entrance and I was like yay that's right come <laughs> be bold be bold <laughs> yes absolutely he gave everyone that sense of of ownership and pride and oh my gosh when you think about just going into high school you're 14 15 you're all snotty you don't know your left from your right you know you're just so open so porous to that experience um so it was a beautiful experience for me high school will be the be all and end all of my life when it comes to shifting my thinking and and the possibilities of life yeah, I relate so much because I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, which is uh, the um, the equivalent in Washington, D.C. to ah, what you okay. went to. And I still speak to some of my Ellingtonite friends. Uh, are you still friends with uh, the folks who you graduated with? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, one of them had a birthday yesterday and uh, she and I, oh, we did a lot of things together and uh, we're super close now. If you look for me on Facebook, I have a different name. And the reason was because I really wanted to keep 
only certain people in my life, the, the people who I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely want to be connected with after so many years, I'm not that kind of person that does well with a host of friends. So I, I abbreviated my name. I figured anybody who wants to reach out to me, they're going to find me through my girlfriend who they know I'm really close with. Um, so they're just a very small fraction of folks. We were only a, a, a school of 500 people. But I, um, I, of course, those relationships will, will, I'll go to the grave with those. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what about a uh, postgraduate? I mean, where'd you, where did you go for college? Okay. So the, all right, there, there, my life takes a little bit of a turn. Uh, this face, I know Norman can see it. I know you can see it, but your viewers, this face might be a face you could see on TV today. But at the right. time when I got out of high school, there was nothing. They called me the girl next door. I was right. not white. I was not black. I was not biracial. I wasn't no. anything other than this girl who could be great in the background, but not right. necessarily have any leading roles. And I and had we're a manager. And we're, about, and we're talking about the late eighties, right? Oh yes. Oh yes, sir. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I remember uh, Ray Don Ray Don Chong. Ray Don Chong. That's was, right. Was everywhere as that character you're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. It, you're she was exactly the girlfriend. Right. She was the girlfriend of the other character whose name we knew, but. That was it. Yeah, she that was, was the side it. chick of Schwarzenegger, but you know, never the love interest. Forget right. about that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and I had a great manager who sent me out on everything, and I was getting all kinds of walk um walkthroughs on soap operas and maybe day players, but nothing really, you know, juicy. And I had a great um agent who said, Again, I'll put you in the next door file. Let's see what we can do. Uh. <laughs> I go. And I, I let me tell you, I auditioned for Miami Vice. I auditioned for The Color of Money. I auditioned for um, Purple Rain. I mean, lots of good stuff and did not book. Got didn't get anywhere beyond commercials and soap operas. So my mom and my dad sat me down after three years and they were like at that intersection where, babe, we can't let you do this anymore. You're going to have to get a real quote unquote career. And they sent me off and I figured it out. It was speech and language pathology. It was either that or travel agent. And my mom asked quite, she was very poignant. She said, how much is the salary for that speech, speech and language, whatever that is. <laughs> they said 35 K I think it was at the time versus travel something, which by and large they're, you know, they don't exist anymore. So she made the right choice. Right. Even if the salary was higher. And so um, I went ahead and went to uh, Queens College for my undergrad, straight through um, to St. John's University and got my master's. It was a necessity that I had both. Mm -hmm. And I did not look back. Theater was just like a dream oh. that I once had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was much later when I was in uh, living in San Jose and I had some extra time on my hands and I knew about some theaters and I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm well, going to give my head to California this. Then. Yeah, I moved to California. When I got my uh, degree, uh, my master's, I was done with New York and everything that was associated with, which was my, you know, my dream to be an actor. So I, I figured I don't need New York anymore. They're, it's not serving me well. I'm going to go clear across the country and start all over again. And I didn't have a job. I didn't know really anyone. 
I found a cute little apartment in um, on uh, Howard and Spear yep. in San Francisco. Lived there for a couple of months. Got a great job in Redwood City. I moved out there, and and life was good. You know, just kind of kicking it. I had two quick questions. Uh, uh, sure. One is, what brought you to the Bay? I mean, was it a was it the job? I mean, what what was it about California? It was a visit. I had had two visits uh, to San Francisco, and I fell in love with it. I had known about LA and I, I wasn't a fan of LA. LA was something of a, an enigma to me. I couldn't kind of get with the people feel like there was a uh, enough authenticity. Uh -huh. Um, but something about San Francisco appealed to me and I guess was maybe a little bit of the weather or, or there was something hippy dippy about it that spoke to me, although I didn't really know that about myself. Um, yeah, it, it was just something I can't say that's tangible or even articulate, but I decided that's the place. It was kind of like I took the globe and spun it on its axis and pointed it. So, <laughs> you, didn't, so you didn't know any, you didn't know anybody here in the Bay Area when you came. I didn't did know. Boo. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. Boo, baby. And I know everyone says that's so brave. And it didn't even cross my mind at the time. I had saved up quite a bit of money. I uh, told my mom I found this place. You know, she, I guess at the, I was an old lady by the time I moved here. So I was, when I say old, like, you know, I was well into my late twenties. Right. So I was, I was okay. I was equipped. And you know, like they say, if you've lived in New York, you could pretty much live anywhere. I yeah. was very good with that pepper spray. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't miss. I really good. <laughs> I, don't I miss could sniff out those drug dealers. Like by nobody's business. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure San Francisco doesn't even compare to New York. And I oh, God, no. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I used to walk San Francisco streets and they would look at me like, what in the world? I was not used to driving anywhere. Right. And I certainly wasn't very good at those hills. I sucked at those hills. Oh. So uh, my feet would take me everywhere. And yeah, I would, I would get some kind of weird looks because I lived down, as I said, Mission and um, excuse me, not Mission, Howard oh. and Spear. Yeah. Right. Anything. The, the um, stadium wasn't there. I was gonna say that was back before they they South of right. Market really blew but up. Yes. So late 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 nineties. Yes, exactly. Late nineties. Boy, you guys are great at the years. I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> trying to get a timeline. I'm kind of trying to get a timeline. All right. no, I, I lived, can, I can I, before I moved to Oakland. I lived over South of Market as they were changing the name to South of Market, and you knew. There were these little Victorians and these little alleyways with families all <laughs> nestled in there. And then the denizens of 6th Street going back and forth. And then suddenly, bam, in comes bam. a townhouse. Bam, yeah. in comes a new security apartment building. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. It, compa it compares a little bit to New York, Manhattan, uh, south of, um, oh, shucks. What, uh, south, is it south of Market? It's been such a long time because when mm -hmm. I lived... Um, I lived on 10th Street, 10th and Broadway, mm -hmm. and um, now my memory fails me, but it, it's, I mean, there, there are a lot of parallels between San Francisco and New York, although the temperament, I mean, people's attitudes are a little different. I mean, there were, oh, yeah. I mean, in the late 90s, I mean, I'm sorry, in the late 80s, there was, um, I'm, I'm bringing it up so much, uh, there's Bernard Getz and there's Tuana Brawley and oh, right. Hawkins and so much violence and david dinkins was the mayor and there's right. the central park five also oh yeah stuff that you i'm sure you remember i remember vividly yeah 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 yeah, yeah there's 
uh, look, hands down, I will never, ever tell you that I didn't love my time in New York. And when I go, as I get older, I appreciate New York so much more. Um, I guess I, I'm, I don't know who I'm more devoted. Like, if someone says, where do you want your ashes to be spilled? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I feel the same way. I mean, you know, D.C. will always be my home, but I love living here in the Bay Area. And I can never mm -hmm. really think about, I mean, I know it breaks my mom's heart, but I can never think about living away <clears throat> from mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But one question I want to ask you, Norman, I want to bring you in, because when uh, Damaris talks about, you know, having audition for, and something that we talked about, one of our first conversations, I you know, we began this in 2017, and our mm -hmm. first guest was, uh, one of our first guests was Will Hammond, and we talked about oh. how we would go to, how you would audition, or you would get little roles here and there, but uh, were, was there ever a time, and I'll ask the both of you, where you were so frustrated, you were like, you know what, forget about acting, I mean, Norman, were you so frustrated that you were like, oh. When I moved to the Bay Area, I I wasn't giving up. I just was going to stop putting any energy into it. I was like, I'm, I've given it my best, and it got me nowhere. Now, the other thing I'll say about that, though, is I was in L.A., and I was very young and very naive. So mm -hmm. I didn't realize, like, I had an agent. I didn't have the agent. The agent wasn't officially representing me, but they had my headshot and resume, and they were sending me out. They were sending me to stuff. Um, but I'd go and, and I wouldn't get the gig and I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I realize now that that's like, that's like the, what do you call it? The doormat of, of getting into the industry is you just got to get comfortable with going and being seen and know that somebody's going to see you, love you, not hire you. And two years later, they're going to be like that guy. We want that guy. Well, by then I was already up here. And I lasted eight months not doing theater up here before somebody snatched me and put me in a reading, Richard Talavera, and bam, I was back in. Yeah, I think when you're young and you, and of course, you come from, you know, let's say an art school or let's say, you know, you get your first taste on stage and you have these dreams and yep. there is a transition between, you know, I mean, of course, there are some who really do make it and they hit it big. I tell the story of a good friend of mine who was in Do the Right Thing the Spike Lee joint. And right. I saw her a couple of years later on a subway because, you know, that was it. That was the one, her one big thing and nothing else happened after that. There is a transition for those who stick to it to the, okay, I'm not going to hit it big to, okay, there is this, you know, this culture of theater where let's say, you know, especially here in the Bay Area, you have a theater community where you can really create some wonderful things on stage. Well, and you don't know mm -hmm. when you're going to hit it big. So, you know, that's, I'm now looking at those, uh, like uh, the guy from, um, oh gosh, what's the show? Um, Frasier, the dad mm -hmm. coach. Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Yeah. No, the, but the, not Kelsey Grammer, but the dad guy. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Around forever and, you know, just kind of laid back and they went bang. Yeah. And I was well, like, oh. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, he had to do, um, right. it was the Electric Company. You know, he was yeah. a speed reader uh, so for a if while. If you're in it, you've got to be in it for some other reason besides that quick shot of fame. You've mm -hmm. got to be in it because it means something to you. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Damaris, when did, when did, I guess, theater grab you back, I guess? It, it grabbed me back because I, um, because I didn't care as much. Yay. You know, I, the rejection, not that the rejection ever got to me as to your question to Norman, it, it didn't get to me enough for me not to go back. It just didn't have that 
it didn't resonate in my body for so many days afterwards. It would just happen, you know, that day I was rejected, I was rejected. And then I'd go on to something else the next day. But but going back into theater, I knew no one knew that I had this past that I had tried and failed, in my opinion. Um, no one, I, I didn't have anyone to compare my acting chops back so many years ago. So I felt like if I say nothing about my training, I might look really good. <laughs> <laughs> Your blank piece and, of paper. Yeah. And, you know, and right. And so my resume was thin, theatrically speaking, I had more credits on screen than I did in theater. And, um, and I was, it was okay. And, and before you knew it, I, I felt like, oh, okay, this is familiar. This feels good. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback because I was doing a lot of community theater and there's so much more generous right. there. Well, I felt the, like I was, uh -huh. I'm sorry. I was going to ask what, what, what are some of the companies that you've worked with here in the Bay? Oh, you know, who really took me in so early on was, um, the Hill Barn. Um, Hillbarn, I had done three shows with. I did Chicago with Hillbarn. I did The Color Purple with Hillbarn. I did um, oh another one that name uh, escapes me right now. And then Palo Alto Players, Lucille mm -hmm. Stern. I've done three shows with them too. Uh, the Pair has been extremely generous, um, offered me a lot. And I think too, again, you know, probably your listeners listeners don't know this i i don't i still don't fit into that you know that that square of mm -hmm. a look um i'm kind of here i'm more of an enigma like what is she than i was when i was back east mm -hmm. um uh, i mean not theatrically speaking but i think on the streets of new york people know immediately i'm i'm of some hispanic descent i'm puerto right. rican but right. here it's kind of hmm what is she? Is she this? Right. I get asked that all the time. Where are you from? What's your ethnicity? Um, are you a hundred percent? I that one just cracks me up. <laughs> does that offend? Does that offend? Does that offend you? Does that offend you, or do you? You know, it didn't offend me years ago. Now I I am because we're so much more sensitive to these questions and how yeah. we identify and everything. Yeah. The last three years have been. A, a little bit of a head scratcher in terms of how I want to respond. But the one that I find the most offensive is when people want to touch my hair. Of course. And I, I, you guys can see me. I don't think my hair is all that extraordinary, but people would love to ask me if they could touch my hair or, and then, and then go on to say, oh, wow, it's really soft. Yeah. <laughs> At least they don't ask if it's real, because I've had some ladies oh, say. Oh, yeah, no, no. Well, actually, no, they have asked me. Is that all yours? Is that oh, all yours? Goodness. And, and I, I am today I'm rocking something that's very modest. Um, uh, I used to yeah. put a lot more effort into it. It used to be a different color and uh, all that good stuff. But no, I mean, come on, man. We're so beyond that now. So I, I, I pray that going back into theater again, that that's not going to be the, the thing that they want to ask me before anything else, which was the case Ho back then. Not. Hopefully not. And Hopefully you've got, not. You've got yeah. versatility with it. I mean, that's, yeah. I kept my I, hair long for many years because I loved when I could have it out. That was great. Yeah, the fro but years. I, I remember the Afro years. Oh, of, uh, yeah. Norman when G. you rock a fro and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah. I had a question for you. Good stuff. 
I had a question for you, Norman, as a director. I mean, you know, this because it's it strikes me strange that any director. I mean, I guess it depends on what the show is, but um, I would think there will be a lot more shows, especially original material, where race is not so much of an issue. It's like, you know, can the actor do the job? I mean, I've written a bunch of pieces where, I mean, aside from Foreman in Paris, yeah. but there are a bunch of pieces where it really doesn't matter what the race is. You can be whatever you want to be and well, not try to be multiracial as possible. It's the Simpsons dilemma. You know, are the Simpsons white? And people will say, well, of course they are. And it's like, well, they're yellow. (laughs) And and, yeah, they're yellow. And it's like, well, no, I mean, that's different. They're yellow. Um, Well, I mean, but, you know, it doesn't matter because it's a cartoon. If it doesn't matter, then how come the black guy is brown? Uh-huh. How come um, Apu, uh, Apu is, yeah. is Indian? How come the Asian people all look like Asian people? You know, y'all don't see. And where we are now, and I'm reading a lot of scripts right now for Playground. We're getting ready for the best of. Uh, best of the seasons just ended. And now we're looking at all the pieces that were presented, and we're going to pick the top six. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many of these scripts that say on the front page, Ethnic, any ethnicity, any ethnicity, any ethnicity, or this needs to be a white guy because there are issues in the play about that. And so people have gotten smarter about it. You said directors. I think directors are going to be a little late to that party. Mm-hmm. The playwrights are there already, and producers are definitely there, especially right now as we talk about, what is it, um, diversity, e- equity, and... Um, Equality. No, it's a D I D E I diversity. No, no diversity, no. Equal, e- e- diversity, equity, inclusiveness, inclusiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, they are, people are starting to think about this. I hope directors get on that page. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so no, you, you know, you're absolutely right. Play, it does really begin with the playwright because if the playwright has it baked in that this person is, I don't know, this particular ethnicity or whatever. I mean, you know, th- there's really no reason why anyone should ask Demi- DeVito, I'm sorry, Damaris, who are you and what are you? I mean, you know, can you act? And, you know, let's see a monologue and let's see what you can do. And then right. we can see, you know, where, you know, how you well, fit. And what are you play. presenting me? What are you presenting me? If you come in looking like that, and that mm-hmm. works for the character. Hallelujah. If you come in looking like that and there's no way I could see the character that way, mm-hmm. well, then you weren't a very smart actor because you mm-hmm. didn't really think about this material right. and what the look needed to be. Right. The rest right, of right. it. And my thing has been since the beginning of my career as a director that, in fact, the first time I was interviewed as a director, they asked me, What would you say your strong point was? I'd never heard that question before. And I went, Um, diversity well like, by the time i got to the audition i mean to the interview i was like i was gonna say diversity but actually it's ensemble and i said because i am baseline diversity is huge for me as far as i'm concerned i will always be in the picture even if there are no brown faces there because i'm part of the project mm-hmm. so that is important to me that we see our, ourselves in there but more important is what is that ensemble? Who are these characters? What are their relationships? How am I going to communicate that to the audience? And particularly when a playwright wants to surprise an audience with some aspect of a character, then that means I need to cast somebody so the audience has this expectation. And then, bam, we get to that moment in the play and the audience goes, oh my God, he was really, he's not just some black man, he was really the boss. Oh my God, he's not just a sweet white guy. He's the murderer. 
or she's the murderer, even better. If I can put a woman in that role, my favorite casting ever was Mark Antony in Julius Caesar. And I love that the critics said, don't know why they cast a woman as Mark Antony, but she was the best thing in the show. And it's like, that's why. That's why. Yeah, yeah, right. there you go. Right, right, right. right. Because, you know, I, I had a, it's similar. I'm sorry. Like, no, 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 please, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Uh, I was going to say there was something similar, a similar experience I had with um, Clyborne Park. Clyborne yes. Park asks that that the actor is uh, is black, uh, Francine. Mm-hmm. And and so I was asked that. And well, if you know anything about Puerto Ricans, we're a culmination right. of sorts. So, yeah. you know, I told her it's in my blood. I can't can't say no. Right. Um, that was such a hard decision. And, and and suffice it to say, there weren't very many women of color that came to audition on that day. Um, and so the director decided to go with the best it wasn't it wasn't like oh does she look more the character than Damaris says it was like okay I'm going to go with this one so to your point Norman yes it kind of resonates in the same way and then the uh, the other thing I was thinking of something like I would love to do who's afraid of Virginia Woolf but I know Tennessee Williams they would never give the rights to a, a theater unless they abide by the fact that this person has to be white no, they'll they'll do it. Oh no, you're right. For, no, that's uh, Albie. Albie. Oh, sorry. Tennessee Albie. Williams has no cat on the top ten roof. Um, has been done with the black cast. It's so Tennessee Williams is there. Albie's estate is not there yet. <laughs> Albie's estate. Albie's estate. Thank you. Yeah, Albie's uh, estate is being really rude about it. Mm-hmm. And and perhaps that'll change. That would be a huge shift. That would speak volumes in terms of where we are today. You yeah. made me realize I want to do because I want to do Zoo Story, and with exactly that. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I hadn't thought about the estate, but a few years ago, I don't know if it's changed mm-hmm. since then, but a few years ago, the estate very publicly went no, which is horrible. And you're absolutely right. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Is one of my favorite uh, pieces, and you know, it just mm-hmm. kills me. I mean, there's some Sondheim, you know, things like I, I'm I'm sure there've been some Sondheim. James Iglehart did do uh, Sweeney Todd, and he was the title yes. character at one point. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who are so locked in. Oh, this person has to be white, and mm-hmm. it, it just shuts the door. Well, and, and that means they don't know their history, because if you set something in London, you can look back in Shakespeare's time. You can see the paintings from Shakespeare's time, and there are all kinds of people in those photos, in those paintings. Yeah, mm-hmm. represented. They were there. Black people were there. People from all over. Mm-hmm. Europe and beyond, we're there. Yeah. One question I wanted to ask you, Damaris, um, have you had to, we've had a couple of women on and they've talked about their experiences, some of them not so good as far as being a woman and um, just being treated with respect on stage uh, during the rehearsal process. Have you had have any bad experiences at all? Hopefully not. I well, had to not, uh, this one wasn't a director. This was a cast mate um, who... who didn't feel like I earned my place. And this was in Chicago, um, earned my place as a dancer. And, uh, and, and no, I am not a dancer that comes with a strong technique. Um, I had a particular build, I think that fit more of the Fosse look. And, um, and, and this woman did was threatened. um, I guess by me, if she compared me to her, then I can see why she was angry at me. And it was unfounded. I was nothing but 
nice as I would be to any other uh, castmate. But anyway, she would make comments behind me, tell me I was late, tell me I was off off key when we were singing everything and anything to just like deconstruct me. And um, I said, you know what? And my mom had just passed. Uh, my mom died mm -hmm. only weeks before. And so I was really vulnerable. I was so ready to be in this new space, but she was really bringing me down. I went to the to the manager, manager, I went to the stage manager, told her, you know what, she can have my space. If she really wants it that badly, I'm just not up for this. Hmm. And they said, no, if we talk to her, I said, no, 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 it's not, it's not about that. It's just about me not being ready to take this on. So um, we went back and I thought that they would just make it formal that I was exiting and she was taking my space. Um, they fired her. Oh, whoa. They fired her. And I was very new in the community. Um, and this goes back to Hillbarn. So big shout out to Hillbarn uh, for supporting me. Um, and and she wasn't kind to the other castmates. There, it wasn't just me, but she really made herself vocal with me in particular. And we did have it out. We did kind of have words back and forth, but anyway. And then the other, other time I had a director who was very condescending during the rehearsal process and uh, would shroud his, his remarks in humor. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes the other uh, actors would kind of grimace like, oh, that was not cool what he said mm -hmm. about you. Um, which, you know, I'm not gonna be working with him again. That's right. how that's gonna go down. But I, I'm pretty blessed. I've had a lot of great directors and, and theaters that have supported me. I've been in, other compromising positions where I was asked to do something that I thought really didn't call for the character to do it. Um, put me in a very vulnerable space, um, showing way too much skin, yeah. way too much skin, being overly provocative, which I felt like I was, I was um, calling out to the audience instead of really being genuine in the character. And they allowed me to like scale it back go back to the original place where we had started and keep it there. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, that's the important thing that for mm -hmm. the stage manager and the director to listen to you and management to listen to you and understand mm -hmm. what's, what's really, really going on. Well, that's good. Um, we are, we are way <laughs> over the I, I, I know. I, I, I was letting you go. <laughs> yeah. One last question. I mean, how do uh, where do you see yourself? Um, well, actually two things. Um, are you, uh, are you comfortable? Are you happy with where you are now, uh, theater-wise? Are you, you know, there's some who are frustrated, who want more roles, or they're not getting enough time. I mean, with COVID, no one's getting enough time on stage. Oh, come on, but... everybody wants more roles. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but but are you satisfied with your with your theater life here in the Bay Area? I I am. Um, as I said to you before, Reg, that I I don't identify myself as a speech pathologist, nor do I say I'm an actor. Um, I'm, I'm a culmination of a lot of things and, and where I see myself futuristically speaking, I would love to do, as I said, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Um, that is a heavy, heavy role. Uh, but I would want a really solid director to do that. I mean, I need a lot of guidance and something like that to the extent to what I'm doing on zoom, just keeping theater alive and helping people generate some money. Uh, for the for the theaters that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get to because of distance, I'm happy to do that. Small roles, big roles, as they say, there are no small roles, but you know, I'm right. there. 
But when we are back on the ground and we've got people in those seats, I would love to do some heavy hitters. I This face gets cast as a very positive and happy. I want to do something dark and cynical and sinister. I want to be out there. And I need... <laughs> You're mm-hmm. laughing, right? I'm sure you could do it. I'm sure I, you could wa- do it. I want to bring that home. No, um, I, I, I want to call into those dark places. I think it's really cathartic too to to not always be the woohoo. I'm the the on or the ingenue. Yeah, we may need to just yeah. saw some monologues, some monologues that shows you know uh, directly the you know the dark you know the dark side of you. Yeah, I would love to do that. So yeah. <laughs> if someone's listening, I'm here for you. Where do, you, where do you see yourself uh, five or 10 years from now? I mean, do you want to venture on? Or are you happy being here in the Bay Area? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to stay on the west side of this town. I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, New York is always going to see me once a year, but I, I'm going to stay here. And um, and I, I like the degree to which I'm doing the theater. I do when it was really hot and happening. I was doing maybe three plays a year, and that was more than enough. Um, I wouldn't venture out to do screen or anything else. That's that's a different animal that I pe- people have really done done their dues. Is that it? Mm. Paid their dues. Paid yeah. their dues, and I have not. So I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to dabble in that. I'll stay where I am. I hear you. Yeah. Well, this this has been wonderful. This has been a really, really cool conversation. I think we're going almost an hour and a half. That's how much oh, fun we've sorry. been having. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I, I, lo- I love the long stuff. Uh, birthdays, shout outs, birthdays. Ooh. Birthdays. Uh, I'm going to try and skip the ones I think you will hit. But um, uh, Mike Clifford is a woman um, who uh, is one of those people. I've got a few people on the list today who are um, – People I have always wanted to work with, somehow it never happened. Uh, she is one. Uh, she's a director, Bay Area director, and she is fabulous. Mm. Um, Chaz Walker is a Oakland activist, is really what I would call him. But he has also been trying to support the arts and produce stuff. So I want to make sure I get his uh, in because his birthday is today. Uh, skipping Tony Haney is a director and actor and back in the day was a dancer Bay Area theater particularly um, very busy down in the South Bay with uh, theater works um, that community um, he has been down in LA for a while but he came up to direct Jeannie Baroga's Buffalo a few years ago so I got to work as his assistant director that was great Loretta Jenka is um, theater person Bay Area person who works these days with Play Cafe, and it's hard to label what she is, but she's always ready to step in when they need somebody to read, and she reads so fabulously. Her and, script and, and an excellent director, better. and an excellent director, too. She's yeah. an excellent yeah. director, too, yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. Michael Ordonia is somebody, back in the day, I got to do a show with, a thick description. I think we did more than one, but um, beautiful Filipino man who is now, I believe, a writer for the LA Times down, down Southland. Uh, Leah Herman, another producer on the list, um, she was trying to do what is now called the Waterfront Theater in Berkeley. She's the one who kind of got that up and running. I'm not sure if she's still involved with it or if it's been taken over by the Oakland Theater Project, but um, her birthday's coming up this week. Uh, Susanna Martin, one of the Bay Area's top directors right now. Zoe Galvez is somebody I went to college with at San Francisco State University. Um, beautiful woman, um, amazing improviser, and she teaches a lot of uh, commercial workshops and stuff. 
uh, Dalia Vidor started the Vallejo Shakespeare Festival uh, about, it's been almost 10 years, and uh, we also would work a lot with the uh, Each One Reach One going into Juvie. A few years ago, I said to her, have you ever thought about taking the show on the road, her um, Vallejo Shakes? So I got them to come here to Oakland, and they usually, when they do their show, they usually make sure they spend at least one weekend not far from here, over at the Peralta House. So I'm very happy about that. Bradford Shreve is an actor I met on that first job I was talking about directing. First time I was directing for somebody else who was paying me. Um, he ended up being one of the actors uh, I had in the show. And then final one is Christopher Kuchenbacher, another actor, Baker, Kuchenbaker, another actor from the Bay Area who I've never gotten to work with, but we seem to always be ships passing in the night. Those are the birthdays I have for this week. And I only have a few. Uh, Dana Lewenthal Blankman. Uh, she, yep. as a matter of fact, I believe she just got. Did she just get married? No, I think. No, I think she was married. No, she's been married. I'm thinking about somebody else. But her birthday is today. Dana Lewenthal Blankman. Yep. Uh, wonderful actress. I think I acted with her. We we did some work at the Playwright Center for San Francisco. She's a wonderful writer and actress. Uh, her birthday, and we had her on for the A. Um, that she came. You probably remember her with uh, Alicia. Yeah, Bob of course. Her birthday's today, and also um, Aaron Jones, his birthday passed. Uh, you mentioned Loretta Janka. Uh, Crystal Piamonte Zhang, I think you saved that for me. Fantastic actress. She turned equity a couple of years ago. Uh, she was a longtime bindle stiffer. Uh, I believe she's mixed Chinese and Filipina. And she's right. done work at ACT, and uh, she's just a brilliant, brilliant actress. And so her birthday is on Friday. And I know we will have – oh, that's right, because we're not going to do a show Saturday. So I might yeah, as well mention week, Saturday. Anju Ippolit, which is a very good friend of yours. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, wow, how cool. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, and someone that we well, we all know. I shared the stage with her, uh, 110 in the Shade, and she did The Color Purple, I think, with, with, uh, with you. Yes, yeah. Yes, she did. Very cool. Yes, yeah. she did. And she's in New York. So, mm -hmm. and uh, also on Saturday, next Saturday, Angela Giraud, she's a wonderful actress and singer. She's actually trained in um, opera. Wonderful mm. friend. Uh -huh. We were we did Candide together and she was wonderful as uh, Kugamanga, I think. Uh, and you, um, there'll be Alan Taylor, one, one friend of yours. Uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. His birthday is Saturday. Oh, is Alan Taylor's birthday this week? Uh, Saturday. It's uh, directly. Oh, a week. Okay. Yeah. That's why I don't have it on my list. Got it. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Uh, shows. Any shows we want to um, pimp? Uh, yeah. There's a few. Well, I've got. Um, I'll be performing with uh, Shots. Uh, they're calling it Shots Plus because it's a combination of the usual um, short pieces that Shots done does, and then there's been this thing on Facebook called uh, Quick Fire Monologues. And I will be doing one of the monologues. So they're going to mix in monologues with the normal uh, pieces that they do. Uh, that'll be on Wednesday, March 24th at 7 o'clock. I will get you the, the, um, the link for it. You and I have been going back and forth on uh, Facebook with Erin uh, Merritt. Uh, she is putting up another round of Neighborhood Stories uh, they originally did it here at Lake Merritt, and now it's uh, started spreading out. Uh, they're currently in Mill Valley, and then I think they come back to the East Bay. Um, but, yeah, that's happening now. Uh, SF Playhouse uh, has uh, Margot Hall's uh, directed Hieroglyph, 
And from the photos, it looks like they actually performed in the space, and then it's being broadcast. I, Ar I'm not Kari sure. Moy is in that, yeah. And then I have the Central Work shows, the Human Ounce and the Bystanders. I think they're still going through the end of the month, right? Yep, they most certainly are. Okay. I've got a, I've got a couple. Uh, Cutting Ball, they're doing Mad Men and Specialists. Um, I'm trying to wonder where um, – check out the cast of Radcast. That's uh, – I don't – Rotimi – and I can never say his last name, damn it. Uh, Rokimi <laughs> is uh, directing it. I know because he tried to get me in. I'm really, uh, yeah. someday, someday. And uh, I don't know if you remember, mentioned San Francisco Shakes. Uh, they are announcing, um, they're doing Pericles, Prince of Tyre. That'll be in ah. the summer. Uh, uh -huh. Directed by Rebecca Ennels. Yay. And uh, once I get the dates for that. and uh, No, I knew, I knew they were talking about it. I didn't see the announcement. Yeah. And um, of course, Plethos is doing their um, thing. Uh, that's what she said. I think it's a series of um, one acts by women. Um, I mean, I'm not one acts, but um, but stand up comedy by women. Oh, right. Plethos. Yes, exactly. A stand up comedy show. That'll be uh, t tonight, 7 p.m. For those who are listening and, you know, at, at if you're listening to the A and you can actually see the show, I totally recommend it. And that's it. That's all that I have. Um, uh, Damaris, are you involved in any Zoom stuff? I, I am. I am. It's um, with um, uh, Jeffrey Lowe. It's headed by Jeffrey Lowe. And Jeff Cassie. Lowe. Wow. What small Yes. World. Yes, yes, yes. Who directed me, by the way, in um, Between Riverside and Crazy at San Jose oh, nice. Stage. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was the I was the church lady, if you know that, if you know that play. Um, so our, our digital stories, it's called, and he had a, a short 10 minute, um, that was written for the virtual space called on Maple street. And, um, and Hey, Norm, it's about a group of women who get together monthly. And, uh, one of them decides that she's going to have the family over for Christmas, um, in these COVID days. And, uh, I won't say what the end is. But it is really a surprise because we're all vehemently against her having a million people, as I say, to her um, having this family over or the family over. Can't we can't stress enough how wrong this is? Right. There's a surprise ending to this. So sounds explosive. Yeah, when this goes up, though, I'm not. I'm not knowing when this is supposed to be released i'm hoping it's before the end of the month we just uh, filmed it two days ago nice what and, what, and company? Was, what uh, company it's, um you know it's i thought it was theater works but it's actually through dragon oh wow oh, dragon dragon yeah. Eggs. wow yeah dragon and i don't even know if it's dragon eggs because they're calling it our digital stories so okay. they didn't get into yeah. it too too much because of course time is of the essence we just jumped in all, all five of us actors and did it but uh yeah uh i'll put it on my feed that's the best i can do no that, no I, that's perfect we want to uh to promote any show that's going on really for all for anyone who's listening to the a if you're an actor or director or whatever just shoot us an email or a text message or put it on our facebook feed what shows you want to have promoted and we'll promote it for you so cool there's that. Damaris, did you enjoy yourself? I sure did. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time, guys. <laughs> I 
guess I don't get to talk to people too much. No, no, no. Listen, I, I love the long shows. I love the long shows. You know, that, those are those are the wonderful ones. So that's oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it shows me that you enjoyed yourself. You know, you're like, geez, I hurry it up. I felt really comfortable with you guys. So thank you so much again, both of you. It's and I'm not kidding meeting. about that step parenting uh, podcast. Ah. You know what? You you can start a podcast because I, I mean, you know, I enjoy listening to you. And so you he can definitely do it. trying to get it. people to start podcasts. I'm like, dude, why are they going to listen to us if you've got all these other podcasts? <laughs> hey, no. there, there's enough room for theater and for other things. There things. sure is. There sure is. But that's one topic we just don't hear enough of. But right. it'd be great to get everybody's perspective on it. Well, Again, love, gentlemen. So- my um my nephew taught me my nephew married a woman who had kids in fact one of the boys went to his father who was in prison and said i need you to sign these papers so that he can adopt us huh. like whoa and so when they got married he actually did their they did their ceremony including the boys they said i'm not just marrying her i'm marrying them and they did a whole presentation and talking about blended families. And I was like, I'd never heard that term before. I always thought of step families as like broken families put together. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's a new thing. It's its own thing. And Lord knows because you intend to do it because you step into this a little more than people do normally when they get into a relationship. When you create this family, it is, it is a powerful act. Yeah, yeah, it is a powerful. And it's, it would be so wonderful to get the fathers perspective on it because oftentimes it's the it's the women that you hear a lot about it yep. you know for as oh. little as there is out there anyway um but it's awesome to get your perspective and and also just all the different ethnicities that come into play too how people just have so right. many different perspectives it makes me want to look at all these fairy tales that we hear about with the wicked stepmother and go wow what happens when you put that in a modern context uh-huh oh there's a play right there yo yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> All righty. And with that, with that, let's let's uh, wrap it up. We're having so much a wonderful time, and it's such beautiful weather out there. Yes, uh, it is. For those who are listening to us or watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe, as the young kids say. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Tell us what you like, mm-hmm. what you don't like, and uh, we will improve the uh, program as it goes on. Uh, for those who are listening to us traditionally on the podcast, we're on all podcast apps. We're on Spotify. We're on that purple podcast app if you have an iPhone or an iPad. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find us. The mm-hmm. Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I'm at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Damaris, uh, are you on um, any social media thing or do you do uh, Instagram uh, or anything like that? DM no, DeVito. <laughs> DM DeVito on Facebook. And yep. I have a dog, Fozzie Waymeyer, <laughs> on Instagram. But you won't see any of me. Wow. The, <laughs> do- the dog is an Instagram. Wow. <laughs> I would love to know how many I want to love to know how many likes he has. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Well, if, if there are any directors or producers who are looking for a fantastic actress, you can't go wrong with uh, Oh, thank you. There you thank go. You so that much. is it. Thank you so much. I'm going to get my shot in a couple of hours. Have a wonderful uh, and remember we're not on next weekend, so we'll see you next on uh April, I think the third. Yeah, it'll be the best of next week. There you go. And All uh, right. said, uh, as Norman and I always say, we, we gotta find a, a better, better sign off. And we 
are... <laughs>